The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. COVID 19 pandemic continuing coverage on 630 Chad. All right, let's head to the Alberta legislature where uh, it looks like Health Minister Tyler Shandro is going to speak first and then Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Here's uh, Minister Shandro. Well, thank you and good afternoon. Today we'll provide uh, an update on COVID-19 cases in our province. But before Dr. Hinshaw provides today's summary, I want to uh, announce an important initiative that we have taken today in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Our Premier has called the COVID-19 pandemic perhaps the greatest challenge in our generation, and I could not agree more. As many of you know, we released Alberta's modeling data yesterday, showing the probable and worst-case scenarios that Alberta may face in the weeks ahead. In every scenario, the number of COVID-19 cases will continue to rise, with a corresponding increase in the number of people needing hospital care. This is especially true in Calgary. To date, 61% of all COVID-19 cases in Alberta have occurred in the Calgary zone. Our health system is working around the clock to ensure that every Calgarian and every Albertan who enters a healthcare facility in the weeks ahead receives the care that they need. That is why I'm pleased to announce a temporary expansion that will help one of Alberta's busiest hospitals meet patient needs during the COVID-19 pandemic. A temporary structure has been donated by Sprung Structures that will quickly be constructed at the Peter Lougheed Center in Calgary to help support an expected surge of COVID-19 patients in the weeks ahead. On behalf of the Premier, myself, Alberta Health Services and all Albertans, I would like to extend my heartfelt gratitude to Mr. Philip Sprung and his family, as well as the entire Sprung Structures team for this $265,000 donation. A donation like this is truly gracious and reflects the spirit and community support which makes this province great. Once complete, the temporary structure will add up to 6,000 square feet of treatment space which will uh, provide space for about 100 acute care beds. Planning and implementation teams are already working with Sprung Canada and its partners to fast-track this initiative. The structure's interior will be designed to support patients throughout the pandemic response. The structure will be ready for use later this month in time for the expected peak of COVID-19 cases in our province. AHS is investing approximately $3 million to quickly turn the structure into a site for safe, high-quality healthcare delivery, one that meets all standards of infection prevention and control. This is an exciting donation, but it is far from the only one of its kind. Companies and individuals across the province have already stepped up to offer masks, ventilators and other supports for our healthcare system. This is the kind of ingenuity and generosity that we need as we work together to protect Albertans and their health and the delivery of care that they need during these unprecedented times. Thank you again to Sprung Structures and thank you to AHS for picking up this project and running with it to make it happen for the people of Calgary. Last, this morning, my colleague in British Columbia, Minister Adrian Dix and I, issued a joint statement reminding Albertans and British Columbians to stay at home, to stay in our communities and to stay safe uh, with physical distance from others when outside. Spending a holiday from people that we care about is difficult, 
but what we are doing matters. These are difficult times for all of us, but doing what is right isn't always easy. Staying home this long weekend is the right thing to do. Together, we are helping slow the spread of COVID-19 in our provinces. I will now turn it over to Dr. Hinshaw for her to provide her update. Thank you, Minister. Uh, thank you and good afternoon. Today, before I talk about our new numbers, I want to tell you that I have been receiving messages from Alberta students over the last few days. They have asked me to pass on their thanks to my team here at the Ministry of Health, to all healthcare workers, and to those who continue to provide essential services across the province, including, but of course not limited to, bus drivers, garbage pickup workers, and grocery store workers. Let me add my thanks to theirs, to all of these groups, and more who continue to provide essential services across the province. I also want to say thank you to all Albertans who for the past month have been experiencing increasing restrictions on abilities to work, to access recreational facilities, to spend time with friends, and many other activities that are normally part of our daily lives. Thank you for the sacrifices that you are making, and thank you for pitching in to stop the spread of COVID-19 in our province. We talked yesterday about our models. And we also talked about the fact that our actual numbers are lower currently than our model would predict. That is thanks to you. You are saving lives. As a doctor for the population, I know that the medicine of physical distancing that I'm currently prescribing is a bitter pill to swallow. I assure you that I am watching our numbers closely and working with many others to look forward to the time when we can start lifting some of these measures and making the so-called medicine more palatable. In the meantime, I again say thank you for being willing to work with me and all other Albertans to keep our communities safe. Today, I am reporting that we have identified 28 new cases of COVID-19 in Alberta in the last 24 hours. This brings the total number of cases to 1,451. Of these, 592 people have recovered. This is 74 more than yesterday. We suspect that 192 total cases of our total cases may be as a result of community transmission. We have completed 1,333 COVID tests over the last 24 hours. We have also had an increase in people accessing our assessment centres since we expanded the testing criteria yesterday, so I anticipate that our testing numbers will increase over the coming days. Sadly, I must report an additional three deaths from COVID-19. A woman in her 80s in Calgary Zone, a man in his 70s in Edmonton Zone, and a woman in her 60s in Calgary Zone. I want to offer my sincere condolences to the family and friends of these individuals. One of these deaths was linked to a continuing care outbreak in Calgary, highlighting yet again how important it is to protect people in these facilities from being exposed. We now have 151 cases of COVID-19 in staff and residents of continuing care facilities. Earlier this week, we tightened rules on visitors to these facilities to help protect residents from COVID-19. I know it is difficult to no longer be able to visit loved ones who reside in these facilities, but this measure was necessary to keep everyone safe. 
I encourage Albertans to look for other ways they can still stay in touch with friends and family who may reside in these facilities. For example, I heard about one long-term care resident who just celebrated her 101st birthday. Her family made signs and brought them to show through the window of the facility while waving and smiling to celebrate her birthday, all the while keeping appropriate physical distancing. This is just one example of how we can show our loved ones how much we care for them. We just need to do it in different ways for now. As we head into the long weekend, I hope we can all look at what we can do individually to protect ourselves and those around us. If you are feeling ill in any way, stay home. Practice physical distancing whenever you're out in public. Continue to practice good hygiene by frequently washing your hands with soap and water. These measures, small as they may seem, may mean the difference between life and death for someone. I have been concerned about reports that some private gyms are choosing to remain open. This is in violation of public health orders which are enforceable by law. I understand physical exercise is an important activity for overall health and well-being, both physical and mental, but the risk of transmission is too great for spaces like these. I encourage Albertans to look at other ways to exercise without jeopardizing the health of others. We need to be mindful now more than ever that our actions carry consequences for all of us. I know we have had to make many changes in order to adjust to our new normal. And again, I want to thank you for doing your part in helping to prevent the spread. There are some early signs that we are making a difference. For instance, over the last few weeks, we have seen a significant drop in the number of confirmed influenza cases. While we would expect a slow reduction at this time of year, the drop over the last two weeks has been dramatic, while testing numbers have stayed relatively the same. This is a promising sign that our measures are working, but we cannot lose sight of our goal. This weekend and the weeks ahead will be a difficult test for all of us who normally come together to celebrate the holidays. I know so many of you wish to gather together with family and friends to remember the way of the cross, to share a Seder meal, or to break your fast after sundown during Iftar. But we must remain vigilant. To protect ourselves, our family, and those in our community, we must remain physically apart during these religious holidays. For anyone planning to attend a celebration in a car this weekend, as some groups are planning drive-in services, I want to remind you that only members of the same household should be in a vehicle together. You should not pick up people from multiple households and then sit together at a drive-in service. I also remind leaders and members of communities planning innovative services such as these that you are responsible for each other and please be sure that no one leaves the their vehicle during these times. As the minister mentioned, do not travel this weekend. Stay home. Stay in your community and on your property. This virus can too easily spread from the touch of a serving spoon, a kiss to the cheek, or droplets carried through the breath of someone singing, chanting, or even laughing. This year, I ask you to look at other ways you can celebrate the holidays while practicing physical distancing. Drop off dinner leftovers at your loved one's front door, have a virtual Easter egg hunt, or video chat with friends and family as I am planning to do this Sunday. 
I also encourage ministers, priests, imams, and other religious leaders to celebrate with their communities through virtual services, but to do so responsibly and with significant care to respect the public health orders in place. Set up Zoom meetings where people can sing and pray together. Share pictures of your delicious meals and Easter hot cross buns through FaceTime. Remember that being isolated physically does not mean that we are alone. Be physically distant, but virtually connected. And should that not feel sufficient and you need to talk to someone, please reach out. Mental health supports are available to help us get through these tough times. The next few weeks will continue to be challenging for all of us. But I hope that fact doesn't stop us from celebrating together this weekend, even if we must do, do so while being apart. I would like to wish all Albertans a happy and healthy holiday weekend. Thank you again, and I will now take questions. We'll go to the phone first. Operator, could you pass through the first question, please? First question is from Kelly Kreiderman with Globe and Mail. Go ahead, Kelly. Kelly. Hi there, Dr. I'm wondering um, whether uh, some of the deaths you mentioned today, whether one of them was at Mackenzie Town. I'm also wondering if you're satisfied that the staffing situation at Mackenzie Town is stable, has improved, whether they have enough staff to meet the needs of the residents there. So the, of the three deaths today, uh, no, none of the three that I'm announcing today were from Mackenzie Town. Uh, with respect to staffing situations, I know that many of the facilities across the province that are having outbreaks are having challenges with staffing because, of course, staff who have potentially been exposed to a case uh, do need to be in quarantine or those who are ill are not able to work. And so that is something that my local colleagues in Alberta Health Services are working with the facilities to help navigate through that to make sure that staffing is supported while at the same time that the residents in those facilities can be cared for safely. I don't have a current snapshot of staffing at Mackenzie Town specifically, uh, but that is something that we can take away and uh, maybe ask Alberta Health Services with respect to their uh, ongoing support for that facility. Excellent. We'll go down to the floor here. Hi, Dr. Henshaw. I'm wondering if you could update the situation at the Kensington Shepherd Care Centre. Sure. So my understanding is that uh, Shepherd's Care Kensington has 17 confirmed cases. Uh, they do have several different units at Shepherd's Care, and it's my understanding that the cases are in the independent living portion of that facility. Uh, so there has been efforts made to uh, restrict any movement between the three different uh, parts of that facility. Uh, and again, it's my understanding that um, that is underway, that our local Edmonton zone Medical officers of health are supporting that facility to make sure that all outbreak precautions are taken uh, and that they're limiting spread into some of those other wings where there are more vulnerable people. What are the protocols, just so we have a, an understanding, when there is an outbreak that's been declared? Sure. So some of the typical protocols would include uh, the limitations on staff. So staff during an outbreak would only be able to work at that outbreak location. They would not be able to work in other sites or even in this particular case uh, wouldn't be moving from wing to wing um, with respect to where there are confirmed cases. There would be enhanced cleaning protocols of any high touch areas. Any residents who are feeling ill, even if they themselves don't have a test yet, would be kept isolated. Any staff caring for them 
them would need to wear personal protective equipment. Uh, and then we would also be limiting any transfers into that facility, or if somebody who lived in that facility needed to be moved into another facility, uh, typically we would hold off on that unless there was a safety issue for that person uh, until the outbreak was over. If someone does need to be moved, for example, if they need care in hospital, then precautions would be taken even if the person wasn't a confirmed case, if they are moved into a different location such as needing hospital treatment for some other medical illness, they would be put on isolation as a precaution if they were moved uh, to get needed care. So that's just an example of the things that would happen. And I All hope right, you well, don't mind, I have one, one more really quick question. In Southern Alberta, we've heard there are three golf courses, one that is open and two others that are about to open. What's the protocol currently when it comes to golf courses in Alberta? So we've had a lot of questions about golf courses and uh, we are, I believe today, uh, putting out guidance because we know that, that that's been an open question. And so my position is that golf courses are a non-essential service. And so golf courses can, like other non-essential services, have workers attending the grounds to um, get golf the, the golfing range ready, you know, if, if they should be able to open later this season. Uh, but golf courses are not accessible to the public at this time because they are a non-essential service. All right, we'll go to the phone now. Operator, could you patch in the next question? Next is Kevin Nimick with CTV. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, Dr. Henshaw. I'm just following up on the changes announced yesterday to testing. Uh, with new rule testing, uh, with new testing rules announced rather in the Calgary zone, how many more tests per day are you expecting to do in our area? And are you predicting a long delay for people to get tested? I know that was an issue in initially in the first couple uh, days of the outbreak with people calling 811. Is that, are we going to return to that or do we have extra capacity now? So we have, uh, expanded our capacity through the the weeks that we had a very high demand for testing with returning travelers. We worked very hard to expand capacity and I want to say thank you to people who work at HealthLink 811, to those who developed the online assessment tool that Alberta Health Services is using right now uh, because really through their hard work they were able to expand our ability to have much more efficient intake of those who are eligible for testing. And so right now, I really encourage anyone who meets the criteria for testing, who has symptoms related to COVID-19, uh, and then meets those eligibility criteria that I talked about yesterday, to go to the Alberta Health Services online assessment tool. I was told by my colleague in Alberta Health Services that within the first two hours uh, after yesterday announcing the expansion, that there were over 500 people who had already completed that online assessment tool and were being um, set up and arranged for testing. And so I don't anticipate that we will see the same kinds of delays that we saw in the early days of testing. With respect to the numbers I would anticipate, that's been a very difficult thing to guess and so we have expanded every one to two days since we, late last week, we had our, uh, our lab caught up with all of the backlog of swabs and simultaneously increased its capacity to run daily tests and every one to two days since then we have opened up our criteria to additional groups but we've wanted to do that slowly so that we don't overwhelm the system and so it's, it's difficult to predict exactly how many people we're going to come or we're going to be getting in who are ill and meet those criteria so we'll be watching over the next several days to see if we have capacity to do more testing uh, but again we need to do this in a cautious way. Operator could you patch through another question please? Next is Rafi Bujikanian with CBC. Uh, go ahead Rafi. 
Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm wondering if you can tell us what it is exactly that your office recommended in terms of the legislature staying open, because today Premier Kenny did say that he was following the public health officer's advice in keeping things running at the legislature in Alberta. Thank you, yes. So uh, the legislature I would define as an essential service with respect to the ability to uh, consider new legislation that's aimed at keeping Albertans safe in these extraordinary times. And so we do have guidance on our website called non-health setting workplace guidance that talks about the things that need to happen in any work site that remains open um, and that would include things like ensuring physical distancing between people who are present, uh, ensuring that there's hand sanitizer available, ensuring that anyone who's feeling sick does not come in person to that location and so those would be the kinds of things that are recommended with respect to any business that's essential and being kept open at this time. Go back to the floor, Julia. Dr. Henshaw, Quebec is moving to uh, get all residents and staff in continuing care facilities tested. Is that something that Alberta is considering and what would push Alberta to follow suit? So we've been having lots of discussions about the best ways to protect residents uh, in long-term care facilities and what kinds of things we'd need to do with the residents and the staff. One concern I have about testing people who have no symptoms is that that's only a snapshot in time. If someone has been exposed to COVID and they test negative, that doesn't mean that they are completely free from disease. And so what we're looking at is definitely having an extremely low threshold for testing any anyone, whether that be staff or residents who have any kind of symptoms, uh, whether that's fever, cough, any diarrhea, vomiting, so it could be a whole range of symptoms in a resident. We're also looking at if we have a confirmed case, then testing people in that facility who don't have symptoms, who've had exposure, so that we can more um, quickly isolate any who do test positive at that time. However, those who've been exposed still must be quarantined for 14 days, even if they test negative, because they could still be incubating and they could still become ill at a later date. So we're weighing all of these facts together to consider what our approach is to long-term care uh, and we are considering additional measures that um, we may need to take and we've spoken before about having staff move from resident uh, from one facility to another I should say and we've already made restrictions on that when a, a facility is in outbreak mode and so those are the kinds of things that we're considering which I think will be more beneficial at this time than simply testing everyone in a facility uh, but again we continue to look at at best evidence and consider what might be the safest approach for these people who are some of the most vulnerable. Excellent. Operator could you pass for the next question please? Next is Jason Herring with Post Media. Go ahead Jason. Good afternoon. Uh, listed yesterday among the sources of additional ventilators was pediatric or anesthetic devices capable of mechanical ventilation. I'm wondering if those devices are ideal for use on COVID patients or if they're being tapped as more of a last resort option. And, and similarly, I'm wondering whether AHS has a hierarchy of sorts for the types of ventilators they prefer to put to use first. So I think that question would be best directed to Alberta Health Services, so I think we might have to get back to you on that as my area of expertise is not in critical care, so we'll have to get back to you on that. Excellent. Operator, could you pass through the next question, please? Next question is Michael King with Global News. Go ahead, Michael. 
there, Dr. Hinshaw. Wondering if we can get an update on Clifton Manor in Calgary and whether or not that was related to uh, one of the uh, Calgary deaths. Uh, so the latest update that I have indicates that there are two confirmed cases at Clifton Manor, uh, but as far as I know, none of our deaths have been in that location. Excellent. We'll go back to the floor. Final couple. Hi, thanks. Um, I'm just wondering, Dr. Hinshaw, uh, looking through AHS's new guidelines for personal protective equipment, um, it says that PPE is not required at work for situations where social distancing is not possible with your coworkers. Um, it seems to kind of contradict the, uh, the advice that you've given the public. If you can't socially distance yourself from people in large groups, you should, you can wear a mask to help protect the people around you. Um, can you comment on that and, and do you have any insight into why that policy seems to be different? So are these guidelines that were just released today? Is that or? I believe it was dated yesterday. Okay. I, I will say that I don't know that I have read those guidelines yet. So I'm not sure if that's something that I could read and then get back to you. I think um, I'm, I'm not sure that particular section, I would have to read it in the context of, of what they were saying. Certainly it's our recommendation that people do stay two meters apart from each other. Um, so I, I'm not sure why that particular section is there. I'd, I'd have to read it in the context of, of the whole document to understand. We can get back to you, Lisa, with more information. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, any final questions in the room that, or on the phone? I'm not seeing any on the phone. Any in the room have any final questions before we close it for the day? One final one, Julia. Uh, this is for the health minister. Just wanting to get a few more details about this temporary structure. Um, why the Peter Lockheed Center? At what point will this get used? And are there going to be specific staff who will be moved to that facility? Well, it's going to use the staff that are currently at the, the PLC, the Peter Lougheed Center. Um, why AHS chose the Peter Lougheed Center is one of the two hospitals where we're having COVID patients uh, being taken, um, that in the foothills. Um, so it was a logistics question for AHS um, with the um, space that was available outside of the, uh, the hospital. And so that's why that location was chosen there. Did I get all those questions for you? Was there anything I missed? At what point will it get used? Oh, so. I think by the end of the month is uh, is what they, they've said. So they're working hard. At, I think it's going to be $3 million that are going to be spending to um, not even just get it up, but also um, have commissioned it so that it's outfitted for, for patients to, um, uh, it, well, in case we, we do have an influx of, of COVID-19 patients in, um, in the province that, that's uh, available to us with those 100 beds in there. And I see I missed a couple final on the phone, so we will take them. Operator, could you patch to the next question, please? Yes, we have Alana Smith with Post Media. Go ahead, Alana. Hey, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm just wondering, is the province planning to publicly report any cases of COVID-19 in homeless shelters in Alberta, or is, something, is this something you're already doing? So uh, we have been reporting cases in populations where we know there is is potentially significant increased risk, which is why we've been indicating when we have uh, cases in populations in long-term care facilities. Uh, to date, we have not had any COVID cases in our shelters, in our homeless shelters. Uh, so as to whether or not we would be disclosing details, certainly, as always, we would not disclose individually identifying information. However, information on significant outbreaks, again, we, we do typically share that. So. Um, I 
suppose it would have to, we would make those decisions based on what the circumstances were um, with respect to whatever, you know, if, if we were to get a case, uh, we would make decisions based on the specifics of that situation and how we could disclose the information in the best interests of the public without identifying individuals. Operator, could you patch to the next question, please? with Radio Canada. Go ahead. Hello, Dr. Anshar. I was wondering uh, about the situation at the Manoir du Lac in McLennan. Do you have the, the latest uh, update there? Uh, yes, I do, and it's, uh, I believe, the same as yesterday, which is 16 confirmed cases and two deaths in that location. I'm sorry, I can't remember if that's an increase or not in the cases. I know that the number of deaths is unchanged. We can follow up with you as well. Thank you all for coming, and we'll provide another update on COVID-19 tomorrow, and have a good day. You've been listening to the daily update from uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health on COVID-19. Um, I can tell you that there are 28 new cases uh, that have been reported in the province, bringing the total to 1,451. The good news, 592 have recovered. They believe out of that total of 1,451 that 192 of those have been possibly through community transmission. We've had three uh, deaths in the last 24 hours. A woman in her 80s in the Calgary zone, a man in his 70s in the Edmonton zone, and a woman uh, in her 60s in the Calgary zone, bringing the total to 32 deaths in the province. Right now, there's 151 cases in continuing care facilities uh, in Alberta, and that's still being a, a major concern to Dr. Hinshaw. Few other questions uh, uh, that she was asked today about um, about golf courses opening up, which was interesting. Saying you know they're non-essential, you can have some workers there maybe, but it can't be accessible to public because it is deemed non-essential. Looking out my window, it doesn't look like we're going to be golfing here anytime soon, but elsewhere in the province uh, as well. And. Um, Dr. Hinshaw, along with Health Minister Tyler Shandro, who was there to make an announcement about a, a structure that has been donated to uh, Calgary Hospital. To um, it's, a, it's a temporary expansion of the Peter Lougheed Centre in Calgary to help with it. It's a 600,000, no, not 600,000, rather, 6,000 square foot um uh, uh, of care space. Alberta-based Sprung Structures has donated a temporary structure to help them up there, which will help create about 100 more care spaces for Calgary area patients. But Dr. Hinshaw and the Health Minister, Minister Shandro, um, both urging you to follow all the guidelines that have been put in place throughout um, the past couple of weeks as we head into this holiday weekend and reminding you not to travel.